Obviously, but at the same time, just seeing the steps we took in the right direction in so many different areas, it was just kind of taping it up and going out there and seeing what we can do. And to get a win like that, sometimes that's all you need to, to get back on track. Don is razzle dazzling through his legs, crossing over, pulling back, hitting the shot. Honestly, I was just happy to be playing basketball. I was making the joke before the game, like I didn't give a damn if the ball went in or not. I was just happy just to be out there running around, guarding, thinking the game, like just having fun playing with my teammates. You know, on top of that, you know, making the right reads, finding things. Just happy to be playing again. Hand off to Fournier, stolen. Donovan's going the other way. Oh, Donovan Mitchell, windmill jam! For him to play every second of every minute of the game, you know, that's been what I've wanted to challenge him to do. And that means when you have the ball, when you don't have the ball, off the ball defensively, on the ball defensively, rebounding, running, he competed the whole game. Donovan driving, pool goes down, Donovan rises, hits! Oh, drop the yellow tape on the ground! I think it just all goes to the energy on the floor. Like that compounding effort, like continuing just to find ways to make winning plays, I mean, it's huge. It's not always about who scores and pass, like that's gonna come, but just finding ways to make winning plays and effort when we're really doing that, you know, we gotta continue to do it. We can't just say, oh, we got it now, like we figured it out. Like, you know, I think the biggest thing is, okay, we're doing it. This is what's gonna take the win every night and go from there. 97-87, Jazz bounce pass, Royce hand off Adoka. Oh, I want a triple shot of Doka Dunks! They come up to me, you know, they speak to me like, yeah, this is what you got to do in an understanding way. Sometimes when I'm a little down, maybe pick up two fouls or whatever. Lauren over there or Mike, you know, they come up to me and encourage me. That goes a long way for them to have that confidence in me, really make me do what I do, really make me go out there and fight for the team, really make me go out there and help out the team a lot. Donovan brings it back up top. They're switching everything. So now Donovan drives, steps back, tough three. Oh, put a heart on it! Competitiveness, our relentlessness, doesn't matter what the score is. We got to find ways to continue to execute, continue to do things on the defensive end. That's how you build those winning habits. And I can't say those were there earlier on in the year. And I think we're all holding each other accountable. We're all communicating to each other with that. And I think that's what's allowing us to take that step. And, um, you know, we got to continue to stay locked in with our principles on both ends of the floor. Welcome into the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. We are back after a two-week hiatus. I apologize. We've been off for a couple of weeks, but I was on vacation. I'm Jay Catch, and we are back here on the Zone Sports Network. Got my good friend Jeff producing behind the glass today. Jeff, how are you? Doing good. That's good. Hey, you, I think most people understand this. If they don't, produce the vast majority, if not all, Utah Jazz games. You are the Utah Jazz producer for the Zone what are you doing for the All-Star break? Most people have scattered to the hinterlands, but you're still here. Yeah, I mean, I had plans that got canceled. Okay. I'm not mad. I shouldn't be in Vegas right now. Okay. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I'm taking some time to relax because I do need to take a break because it is a, 
it's going to be a big final stretch. Um, mm-hmm. Not the week we come back, but I think the week after that we have like five games in six days or five games in seven games. It's going to be insane. Um, but, no, I'm still here, and I got stuff I can do next week as far as work goes and people I haven't seen in forever as far as personal life goes. So I can hang out mixed between getting some work in and just seeing some seeing some people I haven't talked to in a while. I talked right. to my sister. My his sister hit me up, and she was like, I haven't talked to you in so long. I'm like, I'll talk to you during the All-Star break. There you go. That's, that's, the, that's the thing it is. I, people don't understand. It. The NBA season is nuts, and it's busy. And if you're working on those games, it, it takes a lot of time. So thanks for hanging out, Jeff. Thank you to all of you for tuning in today. We have got plenty to cover ahead on today's show. But a quick reminder for you guys that the Saturday show is proudly presented by our friends at Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. All right, uh, kind of a roadmap of where we're going on today's show. NBA is at the All-Star break, as we just uh, talked about. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Utah Jazz and where they stand with now uh, 24 games remaining in their regular season. We'll also talk about the NBA All-Star weekend. We'll get to our regular staples of technical fouls. We'll get this from five minutes of. We've got two very special guests coming up on today's show as well. In our next segment, you'll hear from Sam Farnsworth, uh, KSL TV, one of their sportscasters over there. He has kind of been the point man covering all things from the Beijing games over there in Beijing, China. I'm uh, going to get his thoughts on this as the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, come to a close tomorrow. It seems like it's flown by, and uh, Sam will join us to kind of recap some of what he took away from it. We'll also be joined by Andy Bailey, works for Bleach Report, covering the NBA guy who's been a regular here on DJ and Peak. He's also on Hands and Scotty quite often. A guy I've gotten to know over the past five or six years. Great basketball mind. He's going to join us at 1130 to give us his insights on the NBA at the All-Star break, on the Utah Jazz, and a whole lot more. So we got plenty to cover ahead on today's show. And as we typically do, let's start it off with what's the big deal? Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. I'm very important. Uh, I have... Many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> Still a great open. I missed that over the last two weeks. But I, we start off each show with our biggest topics of the day. We're going to start today on the Utah Jazz. Uh, they completed a homestand 6-0, and and things looked like they were smooth sailing, even what, 42 minutes into that matchup down there in Los Angeles, and it seemed like they were going to go 7-0 and going into the All-Star break. Things were looking up, and then suddenly, in the final six minutes of that game, a lot of the demons that have been the Jazz issues all season long seemed to rear their ugly head and conspired to bring a loss, and the Jazz limping into the All-Star game in some ways with a loss in Los Angeles against the Lakers, and Jeff, as we mentioned, you cover the Utah Jazz, you're working on these games. I uh, that game, I think, left a pretty sour taste in most Jazz fans' uh, mouths. The The issue, I think, is is it should you take more from the 6-0 and record at home leading up to that loss and also the fact that they played pretty well for 42 minutes, or is it just more of the same for the Jazz? You're saying, okay, that was all fool's gold, and that loss kind of showed the Jazz are still, still have a lot of work to do. I think an NBA season is... A season of ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be either 
the winning streak is a more accurate jazz or the loss to the Lakers is a more accurate jazz. Like, you, people have stumbling blocks. It was a very ugly loss. Um, I do think the Lakers were motivated by the injury to Anthony Davis. I'm not defending how the Jazz behaved mm-hmm. in that game, um, but I do think they played with a little bit more oomph. Um, and obviously, LeBron can he put the team on his back um, as he can do. Um, I think that I'm going to try to go optimistic here and okay. say that this loss was a good way to remind the Jazz that they are really good but to not get ahead of themselves. I think it was kind of a good way to kind of keep them level-headed and, you know, getting Donovan back, getting Rudy back. Uh, and they did have a lot of really great – I mean, they they beat good teams during those stretches. I mean, they beat the Nuggets and they beat the Warriors and, you know, they, they had some really – they destroyed the Rockets, which I know the Rockets aren't really a, a good team. But, yeah. you know, 78 points in the first half was a really, really nice feeling. Um, but – it's it's good to see them continue to just learn and grow and kind of like what they've been saying all year as long as this is something that allows them to be better at the end of the season when it matters most then we'll just have to wait and see if that's the case i think you've got a good point there and david Locke was on with dj and pk yesterday for his weekly visit with them and he said that even with the 24 games remaining, barring something really, really crazy happening, we kind of know where the Jazz are going to be and who they're going to face. He says it's either going to be the Mavericks or the Nuggets. He says those are the two teams. It seems like the Jazz are locked into play. Uh, the one thing he pointed out is that the Jazz still have to face the Mavericks three times in the final 24 games of this regular season. So they're going to get a really good look. If that's going to be a first-round matchup for the Jazz in the playoffs against Dallas, well, they're going to have a pretty good look at this new Dallas lineup that they revamped at the NBA trade uh, deadline. And that'll be an interesting part about all of this is how the Jazz round themselves into form. Quinn Snyder, and if you've listened to the post-game press conferences and Jeff and I have heard more than our fair share, it feels like, if not all of them. He's talked about the fact that the 70-game mark is kind of the the mark he wants to get to and then be able to say, okay, this is where we're at. So that means they have 12 games once they return from the All-Star break, and they will be back in action a week from yesterday, so next Friday night here at home against the Dallas Mavericks. It's actually a really big game out of the gate uh, coming off that break against Luka and the Mavs. But he talked about the fact that the 70-game mark is kind of where he is kind of pegged, where this is where we're going to know what we are as a team. I'm with you, Jeff. I I think this team has learned some things. Uh, Rudy being out during the vast majority of that six-game win streak, he was only back for the final game of that stretch. This team realized, okay, we can't just rely on Rudy. we got to figure things out on our own. And they started doing that. And also need to acknowledge that they were playing some lesser than teams in that stretch and also some teams who were shorthanded. But the Jazz were also shorthanded in their own, in their own right. I'm with you. I don't think it's necessarily fool's gold, that 6-0 record. But I think this team is still very much in the works. But we've talked about this often throughout the season. This team's not going to be judged by this regular season. They were the number one overall seed last year. We're looking now at what can they do once they get to the playoffs. And they need to be healthy once they get to the playoffs. That's the bigger thing. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this, but I look at the rest of the league, and to me, there are very few teams that are just way, way up. Like the the Suns. Like the Suns are top dogs, incredible almost every night. But a lot of these other top teams, they still have – their roadblocks that mm-hmm. they hit, you know, every, you know, every couple of games, every once in a while, 
And so I know it's not a good thing to compare to other teams, and I don't think the Jazz should be comparing to other teams, but as consumers and fans, I feel weird saying that word, um, but I feel like we can look at the rest of the league and say, hey, this is normal. Like, it's it's not normal to be a Suns team that has only lost, what, 10 games yeah. all year? Like, that is that is elite of elite, and that's that's pretty special. So I do think that expectations should still be high for the Jazz. I think they should still be pushing them. I absolutely don't think for a second that Quinn has ever taken his foot off the gas as far as pushing his team to be better and motivating them to continue to work. Um Again, I think having, even though we lost most of the games, having Donovan and Rudy out, I do think was really, really good for us because, like I said, it's making us learn how to do other things. And even when we have Rudy, being able to rely on other people, for example, what we you know have been able to learn from Hassan and from Doak is going to help us in the long run because even when Rudy's available, there maybe isn't as much pressure on him to do everything defensively all the time. Yeah, and that that's I think a very good point there. Um, one thing I should point out here, we're going to talk more about the uh, the NBA All Star game here momentarily. But Donovan Mitchell will not be at NBA All Star practice. He is missing it with a non COVID related illness. Interesting. So his status for the All Star game might be in question. Uh, but I'm with you. I, I think the biggest thing is looking now at the. Uh, at the NBA at the All-Star break, I think the tiers of teams, because you talked about the fact that like, you look at this, it's an ebb and flow all season long. The one team that has kind of avoided any downturn has been the Phoenix Suns, and they're going to be the number one seed. Like it, it is done deal. Like It's going to happen. They are very, very good, and they've avoided any significant losing streaks. I, I'm, PK's brought up the fact that he thinks that Chris Paul should be the favorite for the NBA MVP award. I, I think he's absolutely in the mix. But if you look at the rest of the tier of the NBA, the Warriors have surged back. There's no doubt about this. This Warriors team, uh, David Locke, I was more of the mindset with him going into the season that, okay, the Warriors have not been healthy in more than two years, fully healthy. What can they really do? They're an older team now. Well, Steph and company have gone out and proved it. They're the number two seed right now. The Memphis Grizzlies have surged up the rankings, not the rankings, the standings. They're sitting at 41 and 19 in the Jazz in the four spot right now at 36 and 22. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. I think the Jazz are going to be the the overall tenor of how this season is to be perceived is only going to be determined in April, May, and June. For better or worse. That but that's just where things stand right now. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at last year, we were the number one seed. We went out in the second round of the playoffs. And people no, still like talk no one about it. no one's gonna look back and say, Well, we were the number one seed and that was good enough. Yeah. That it, that's not, just not it's not what you do. It's all about rings. It's all about championships. And that that's what's going on right now. All right. Uh let's also flip over and talk about NBA All Star Weekend for a moment here. As I just mentioned, Donovan Mitchell missing uh the uh missing practice this morning out there in Cleveland. And by the way, Jeff, have you seen the pictures of the weather in Cleveland? I have not. Horrendous. Snow going sideways, windy. You wow. call that horrendous. I call that beautiful. 
you're weird. Yes, you are I am. you are from the northeast, so I also get that part of it as well. But the other day I woke up and there was snow on the ground. I was like, we haven't had snow in like a month and a half. Where is this coming from? Is there more? It is my sincere hope that when the NBA All-Star game comes here next year, yes, folks, it is coming to Salt Lake City in 2023, 30 years after the first time it came here. I'm hopeful, Jeff, that we get snow about a four or five days before the weekend and we get what we got today. Where it's sitting in the 40s and today's supposed to hit reach the 50s, I think. Bluebird Day. Beautiful weather, and we show off this lovely city we're lucky to call home. That is what I sincerely hope for. Looking at what Cleveland's got going on right now, that could be a similar situation at the Utah Jazz and Salt Lake City find themselves in when the All-Star game comes here next year. I'm hoping it's not because it looks downright miserable in the the mistake by the lake. People show up here next year, they're just like, ah, I'm never coming back here. That's the problem. That's the thing. Salt Lake City already is battling a perception thing. I am hopeful we get what we've got right now when that NBA All-Star game comes here a year from now. And that, I'm very much looking forward to it. I vaguely remember, I was still a young pup when the All-Star game came here last time. Uh, how old were you, Jeff? 93. I wasn't born. You weren't born? In, okay, so you weren't even alive when the NBA All-Star game, okay. You were young, dude. You were. I was seven years old when it came here last time. Six, seven. But I remember portions of it. I'm very much looking forward to having it back here because I fully intend to take it all in. Well, to your point, taking it yeah. all in, it's more than just the game. It's yeah. the whole city. It's the whole state. It's the, the whole weekend. atmosphere. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it's, it's everything. Even if you can't go to the game, you can still experience what having the NBA All-Star mm-hmm. game here is. Yeah, and so, okay, that's, and that kind of a nice jumping off point for where I wanted to go with this. Are you a big fan of NBA All-Star weekend? By and large. I would say no, but maybe not for the reasons people would think. Okay. What are your reasons? So my biggest Elaborate, thing, and, and, and this is how I feel about any all-star across any sport, for the most part, it's a popularity contest. There well, in is, the actual game, yes. The voting and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and so it's we like... We have Andrew I, Wiggins playing in this game. That should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, I I just, because the idea is, oh, we get the best of the best. It's like, well, it's the best of the best by name, not necessarily by actual performance. And that just kind of turns me off to the whole thing. And again, whether people come at me at this or not, I don't know. But like I said, I feel this way about MLS. I feel this way about NFL. Like, it, it's it's not an exclusive thing to the NBA. And so for that reason, I'm like, Eh, but I mean, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's still cool that like the experience itself, I think is a good thing for players and for cities. Um, I just wish that fans were smarter about how they voted. Sure. And I'm with you on that, but when you have uh, international K-pop sensation as essentially a ambassador to garner votes for your franchise. I'm speaking, I don't remember what the name of the guy is from the K-pop star, but he does it for the Warriors. That's why Andrew Wiggins is in the starting lineup for this NBA All-Star game. Nothing against Andrew Wiggins, he's a fine player. But, really? Yeah. Andrew well, Wiggins? And, I mean, and then you get into the debate of people who were getting voted for who'd been out injured, uh-huh. and it's like, well, they're a great player. Well, we haven't seen them play in a month or two months. So, yeah, like, I don't know. I 
I mean, you have replacements when people get injured, yep. but I would almost rather say like, okay, this person's out right now. Let's let's vote on someone who we know is going to be able. Which I guess you could also say is a counterbalance because you don't know who's going to be available. Things can you know change last minute, obviously. But I just I just don't like the popularity contest of it when some people don't get the chance who should. Um, but you know, there's not really much you can do about that. My biggest thing that I like about the NBA All-Star game is I'm a child of the 90s, in the early 2000s. The dunk contest during that era was in its heyday. People have said the dunk contest needs to be done away with, the All-Star game. I still believe that the NBA All-Star game is actually one of the better All-Star games we have in all, across all major, all major league sports. The NFL Pro Bowl is a joke, plain and simple. MLS... It's not a bad idea in theory. The, the idea that they had to bring an internationally recognized outfit and have them play against the MLS's best team, I liked that. But they've kind of gone now to more where they're going to morph into actually playing East versus West. And they get the Liga MX thing going, where they combine those two leagues, play Liga MX, MLS combined All-Star. I'm okay with that. The thing I like about the NBA is you're seeing most of the time the best athletes in this league playing together is defense optional absolutely the bigger thing that i enjoy i enjoy the saturday night stuff i still like the dunk contest i still like the three-point contest i actually last night i was not anticipating watching i didn't watch the celebrity game i saw a a picture of um i saw a video of miles um garrett the standout defensive end for the uh cleveland browns going up and blocking a shot okay cool whatever i don't care machine gun kelly does nothing for me i didn't watch the celebrity game I started seeing some tweets about the Rising Stars Challenge, and they, the thing about the NBA is they have proven one thing, if, if nothing at all, that they are actually going to be innovative with this stuff. The Rising Stars last night essentially was a bracket-style thing, where they had teams go head-to-head, and then they played for a championship. Actually kind of a cool idea. Oh, absolutely. I, I tuned I in later cool. for it. I didn't know it was... I, I, somehow I missed the, the fact that they were doing that. I tuned in later. I thought it was a really cool format. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. I think that that's... I do think that that's super cool, and being able to see young star like that that to me is a in some ways a better part because you get to see these young stars show off and i mean we all know how good all the all-stars are like yeah we get to see them show off all at once but you know if you look at their highlights at the end of the year you can see them yeah. you know doing crazy stuff but with with the young guys they're really able to show what they can do Whereas maybe on a regular basis, they have to be a little bit more conscious of what they're doing because they're young and they can't just try some crazy thing and hope it goes off because then they get roasted. And they're playing with the Elam ending type deal and whatnot. So the NBA is trying new things with this All-Star and the All-Star game, the All-Star weekend. Uh, Before we take a break here, Jeff, and get to Sam Farnsworth on the other side, I want your picks here for tonight's events. I did this with uh, Ben Anderson yesterday. I was on with him from 10 to noon on Jake and Ben, uh, filling in for Jake Scott. So I'm going to have you pick three things, the three things that we picked yesterday. I want your slam dunk champion, I want your three-point champion, and I want you who you think is going to be the MVP of the All-Star game itself. Okay, so let me run down the people who are playing. I, you just gave me a look like, oh, I don't know. Off the top of my head, can I remember okay. who all's playing? Slam dunk contest participants this year, there are four of them. Cole Anthony from the Orlando Magic, Jalen Green from the Houston Rockets, Obi Toppin from the New York Knicks, and Juan Toscano-Anderson from the Golden State Warriors. I'll tell you my pick if you want while you think about it. I 
I don't know why. Maybe it's a recency bias. Uh-huh. I'm going to go with Jalen Green. Jalen Green, okay. Uh, ben actually picked Jalen Green, if I recall correctly. He, he He's of the opinion that Jalen Green needs to do something to kind of ignite his NBA career in a way again because he was the number two overall pick, and he's been relatively disappointing for the Houston Rockets this year. Donovan Mitchell, some of these guys who've won the dunk contest, it's helped kind of spark their career. So, yeah, I like that Jalen Green pick. I went with the Dark Horse. I'm going with Cole Anthony from the Orlando Magic. That's who I picked yesterday. Now, three-point contest. Here are the participants in this. It's a bigger field. Desmond Bain from the Memphis Grizzlies. Luke Kennard from the Los Angeles Clippers. Zach Levine from the Chicago Bulls. C.J. McCollum, now of the New Orleans Pelicans, formerly of the Portland Trailblazers. Patty Mills from the Brooklyn Nets. Carl Anthony Towns, the lone big man in the field from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Fred Van Vliet from the Toronto Raptors. Or Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks. Interesting field here. That's tough. Um, my initial response when I heard Fred Van Fleet was, I'm like, oh my gosh, he absolutely roasted us this year. It was brutal. He's been very good um, from three, yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the obvious pick. I'm going to go with Trey Young. You're with Trey Young. Okay. So Ben actually went with Fred Van Fleet. He went a little off the radar, and he said, I think Fred Van Fleet's guy. I went with Desmond Bain. I think, Interesting. I think the Grizzlies shooter, I, I know it's a, a sore point for the Utah Jazz considering he was there for them to pick in that draft, but it is what it is. All right, and then the final thing is uh, give me a player from the NBA All-Star game that you think is going to be the overall MVP. Who I think deserves to be the MVP or who I think is going to actually gonna get, get it. it. Yeah. You'll be interested to know who I picked. Um, The person who I think will deserve it based on who I think will play the best and who will have enough minutes, I'd go with Jokic. Okay. Who I actually think is going to get it. I don't know. LeBron, maybe Giannis. Okay, so you give me one. Like, who are you going with? I'll... Actually, okay, I'm going to go with Giannis. Giannis, with Giannis. Giannis. okay. All right, I went with DeMar DeRozan. It's not a bad pick. It's bad Especially with how he's been playing lately. My I know, I just, goodness. we'll see. It, but it really is. It's really about how often these guys are playing in this game. Like, yeah. I feel like, like if Donovan Mitchell doesn't practice today, his status for the game, he may not even participate tomorrow. Yeah. Well, and even if he was fully healthy, people like Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, I don't think are going to get the minutes ben, to even be yeah. able to yeah. earn, say. MVP. Ben pointed it out. He's like, if they play a combined, like, what, 25, 30 minutes at the most, that'd be stunning. And they're on opposite teams this year. Like, yeah, so... It'll be interesting, but coming up on the other side, uh, we are going to be joined by Sam Farnton. They run some thoughts about him on the NBA All-Star Weekend. I know he's very much engrossed in watching the Jazz and the NBA, but wanted to get him on to talk about the Olympics, what he has uh, taken away from the games over there in Beijing. Uh, he's been covering it very closely for KSL 5 and KSL TV. We'll talk with him next. You're listening to The Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. It's a weekend! Let's go! It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait. Can't, 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 can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Whoa. 
Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jake Hatch. Thank you so much for joining us here on 97.5 FM and 1280 AM. Uh, Going to be joined here momentarily by Sam Farnsworth from KSL TV. And I've got it up on our TV here in the studio. We've got some kind of like relay, uh, long track speed skating thing going on. Olympics have got a lot of new events that I apparently have just missed or they've just been doing it. I didn't pay attention to them. But let's bring in Sam now. He's been covering Beijing 20. 22 for KSL TV, doing a great job doing it. Sam, thanks for taking some time. How are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me, Jake. Absolutely. Uh, so let's start here. Uh, this has been a very interesting winter games. Uh, the biggest thing, obviously, mm-hmm. COVID affecting it, the closed loop system that's been going on over there. Uh, what have been your overall takeaways from this game and its legacy as we almost are done with it, crazily enough? Well, I mean... When when the closing ceremonies happen tomorrow, I think you can look at these games and still call it a, a, a success. Uh, I know that it's been a little more difficult for viewers to um, kind of latch on to and, and get excited about. And I think a part of that has to do with, you know, the time difference that always makes it a little bit uh, challenging. Um, but also, as you mentioned, it's, um, you know, uh, the I don't want to get too political, but, but there's a lot of people who do have a have a stance on how uh, China is handling, um, you know, certain uh, foreign affairs and and domestic affairs over there, and and um, you know the United States government chose to not uh, support these Olympics. They do are they did want to make it clear that they're supporting the American athletes, but they didn't want to support the Olympics, so they didn't go. A lot of countries didn't send their diplomats either, um, and I think. You know, sometimes that has that little trickle-down effect to, to uh, you know, some of the viewers that they're not going to watch as well. Uh, I don't know. For me, it's still been a really fun Olympic Games to watch. There's been a lot of great stories that have emerged, just like every Olympic Games. There's always, like, uh, a name or two that you've never heard of, and you get to know them by watching them compete in the Games, mm-hmm. and suddenly they become a household name, an American athletic hero, you know, uh, and it's just been so for me, it's been a lot of fun to watch to to see these stories emerge, get to know these athletes through their their performances. And uh, overall, I think it's been a success. The United States is exceeding their their average total medal count for Winter Olympics. So it's it's been fun for me. I wanted to kind of get your thought on this. Nathan Chun, I think he's kind of the face of this Olympics because of he's the greatest figure skater in the world. Uh, Pyeongchang mm-hmm. in 2018 was a massive disappointment by his own admission and his own standard, but he goes out there and just absolutely dominates the field, and the best part is he's a Salt Lake City native. I, I think that that's one of the really, really cool local but also national stories of this Games. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and when the Olympics are, when you know, when they come to an end, he's going to be one of those faces that uh, we're going to remember the 2022 Games by. Um, it, yeah, he just looked so much more relaxed. He he looked like he was having a lot more fun in these games. The first time he skated in these games was the team event uh, when he had a short program for the team event. And and you could just tell that uh, when he was done with that skate that he was just there to do what he does, which is dominate. You know, mm-hmm. the, I don't think he's lost a competition or maybe one or two since 2018 in all the international competitions that he's been in. And I mean, it was clear with the scores that he was bringing in when, when they had the men's individual event, he, he had the record 
uh, score for a short program, the highest score ever given um, from his routine. And then he just blew – I mean, when he won the gold medal after after his second routine, I know there's not a lot of fans uh, that are allowed to uh, attend these things. They're all locals or athletes. Mm-hmm. But when they announced his final score, there was a gasp in the arena because they were just blown away at how high that score was. But, yeah, Nathan Chen, he's just – so good at his sport, and he's been a great uh, ambassador and face for Utah in these games. But um, for, you know, and for me, there's been just there's been a lot of great. Uh, by our count at, at KSL TV, we've got 83 athletes that are either from Utah, uh, live in Utah currently, or like went to college in Utah. And so, there, our state definitely has great representation in these games, and we've had multiple medals coming home, and, and a lot of great stories. And that's the thing about this is I think Utah, just because we are one of the winter sports capitals of the world, and that obviously was uh, jump-started by the 2002 Winter Games out here, and we've kept the facilities and a lot of athletes are here training. And we have a lot of homegrown talent, but a lot of talent that moves here to train, and that, I think, mm-hmm. lends itself to the fact that Salt Lake City maybe is more, I, I guess, literate when it comes to the Winter Games mm-hmm. than most other markets around the country. Yeah, they're definitely more aware, right? And and it and it all has to do with having the games here in 2002. When once the games were announced for 2002 to be in Salt Lake, they started to build the infrastructure mm-hmm. needed for the training, and and athletes started to come here. I know the U.S. ski team had been based in Park City for a long time prior to that, but since then you've got you know speed skating's constantly out here. That the the bobsled and and luge track up there at the Utah Olympic Park is one of the preferred destinations for training. Um, for not just American sledders, but international sledders as well. Um, you know, it's everything is here to, uh, for lack of a better term, breed local uh, winter sports talent, and and we're seeing it. And um, so one of, one of my and you talk about uh, athletes that have transplanted here as a result of that too mm-hmm. uh, and some of these athletes are, are coming kind of full circle and one of my favorite stories of these games is alex hall he won the gold yeah. medal for the free ski slope style event that's a kid whose dad grew up in salt lake city his dad skied all the time with his buddies at alta in the 70s and uh, alex was born in alaska when he was one years old they lived in in europe his mom's from italy um, and he grew up in Europe until he was about 14, 15 when he moved back to Park City to start training at a higher level and go to the winter sports school that they have there. And there's a lot of stories that are like that, that uh, kids who've moved here when they were, you know, in elementary school or, or middle school to start training. And then they never leave because they've kind of adopted Utah as their as their home. And so um, it's just been so much fun. And then there's kids like uh, Nick Page who competed in the Moguls event. Uh, he he grew up watching these people coming to Utah and training, and he's like, I want to do that someday. And so he got into the program and made it to the Olympics, finished fifth in his program. Uh, Colby Stevenson's another guy, uh, one of the freestyle skiers who, who grew up in Park City, same type of story. Uh, Bella Wright out of Salt Lake City uh, learned how to ski at Snowbird. And then there she is with uh, Michaela Schifrin in the downhill events at, at, at the Olympic Games. You know, So there's story after story. It's just and so it really makes it a lot more fun when you start to, to recognize the connections that we have to the games. I also wanted to ask you about Erin Jackson because her story is just absolutely awesome. She put out the video, or it was it tweeted out that uh, less than six years ago she got on ice. Mm-hmm. And she'd been a figure skater, I guess, at some point in her life before. She was an inline <laughs> skater, but you see her get out there on those speed skates and she's like wobbling around. But 
now she's a gold medalist in 500 meters. It's just, it's it, yet again, just one of those stories that makes you say, okay, this is really, really cool. That's Yeah, it's amazing, right? That video is like, what is she doing on skates? <laughs> and then here she is getting an Olympic medal, you know, and, and the story behind it too, with Brittany Bow giving up a spot to allow her mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to, to be in the games. That's just, what a good story, you know? And, and so Brittany Bow's got kind of a, a tie into that Olympic medal as well. And then Bo gets her own uh, bronze medal at the games as well. Um, yeah, that, that is, that's just one of the great stories of these games. Uh, you know, um, uh, you've got uh, uh, Keisha Love too, who mm-hmm. went to um, Harriman High School. Harriman High School, yeah. Yeah, she was a, she was a gymnast, a level 10 gym, gymnast growing up. And someone convinced her, hey, you should try track. And she, her first track race in high school, she won. Her second race, I think she broke the state record in the 100, and she never lost a race in high school, goes on to UNLV to run track. At UNLV, one of her coaches is like, you know what? You should try pushing the bobsled. She's like, you're crazy, but she goes and does it. And the first race she's in, she she wins, you know, with her driver. And next thing you know, she's at the Olympic Games too. So <laughs> it's pretty cool how they find the talent um, and, and how it emerges for these things. All right, Sam, last thing before we let you go here. Obviously, there's a lot of talk out there that Salt Lake City is going to pursue either the 2030 or 2034 games. Do you have a preference on which one they pursue, and what have you heard with regards to the future of the Olympic Games coming back to Salt Lake City? Uh, as far as preference goes, uh, I think the sooner the better. I think 2030 would be fantastic. I think, I think that's what Salt Lake would prefer as well is the uh, the sooner bid. Uh, I mean, we're we're ready for all intents and purposes. There mm-hmm. might just need to be a few updates made to some of the infrastructure and then obviously just planning. But Utah is more ready than a lot of other places to host an Olympic Games. Um, so why not give them the chance again? Uh, as far as what I've heard, you know, there's not a lot of um, official, you know, it's definitely going to come to Salt Lake or, or they're going to make an announcement at this day. I haven't heard any of that yet. But what I do know is that um, those who are behind it, like, um, you know, Mitt Romney's been a big supporter, again, of getting the Olympics back. He, uh, along with other um, uh, U.S. you know, ski officials, U- U.S. sledding officials, the, everyone I've spoken with, they say they want it here. They definitely want it to come back to Utah. And if you've got that much support, of the people who want it here, I, I just don't see how the International Olympic Committee would, would say, no, nope, you're not going to get it again. So I think it's more of a matter of if it's going to be 30 or 34, which one it seems like it seems like it's a surefire shot to uh, come back to Salt Lake. But I, I don't have any like official uh, word on it, but it just seems like all the dominoes are lined up for it to come back. Uh, I very fondly remember the O two 2 games. I'm sure you do as well, and I'd mm-hmm. love nothing more than to have them back. And at this point, you and I, we both have kids that weren't alive when this was going on. It'd be cool to have them right. experience it as well. So only time no will kid. tell, right? Yep, yep. We'll just have to be patient. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> hopefully well, soon, though. Hopefully soon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sam, keep up the good work. We'll continue to watch you on KSL TV. We'll have you back on air, I'm sure, really, really soon. I think you're filling in this coming week uh, with Jake and Ben, right, at some point? Yep. Yeah, I'll be on. I'll be on with. Uh, is it Ben who's in town? I ben, can't remember. Ben's in town. In. Jake's yeah. out. Yeah, so be with Ben. Yep. Yeah. So I'll be on with Ben uh, later this week for sure. Yep. Very, very cool. We'll look forward to that. But thanks again for taking some time to join us here on the Saturday show. All right. Thanks, Jake. 
All right, there you go. Sam Farns with KSL TV. A big thank you to him for taking some time. And like I said, they've done absolutely incredible coverage of all things Beijing. And it's not been an easy game to cover because of the restrictions put on by the Chinese government, obviously COVID-19 causing all kinds of things. But the team over there at KSL has been absolutely phenomenal. I... And I'm with Sam. Early on in the interview, I was not as excited for this game just because of the geopolitical stuff and everything. But the, the longer it's gone on, the more and more I've got into it. I just I, I can't get past. I'm a I'm an Olympics junkie. I think it's awesome. I also like the Olympics, but shockingly enough, because I have a terrible memory, I do remember the Salt Lake games. And because my I have a lot of family mm-hmm. here, I was here. I was here with my grandparents. Oh, cool. All both, right. both are who are, are, are no longer with us. And so I, I look back at that and I think about being there for that and being with my grandparents. And it's it's nothing's ever going to top that. Sure. Um, you know, even if, you know, the Olympics are here in 2030 or 2034, like it's it would be pretty hard to top that kind of memory with with my grandparents it was a really really cool time i've got very fond memories of, of wandering around salt lake city with my parents and my siblings and whatnot now that i've got kids my, my kids have been watching so like, that's pretty cool i'm like they're gonna come here they're like my daughter's like really i'm like yeah at some point so it, it should be really cool my daughter might be in high school by the time they get here which is terrifying thought for me but don't don't think about your <laughs> don't think about your daughter in high school just don't do it <laughs> i try to avoid it at all costs but all right coming up next we'll get technical fouls round out the first hour of the show plenty more to come though we got five minutes of in the 11 o'clock hour also andy bailey from bleacher report he'll be joining us uh, scheduled to join us at 11 30 as well so plenty more to come right here on the saturday show if you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet that's a technical foul if you switch the radio to some modern music show that's a technical foul if you touch the thermostat you'll get hit with a bat cause that's a technical foul you will feel my wrath that's a technical foul personal foul 69 office he was giving them the business a technical foul Welcome back to the Saturday show. As you just heard, it is time for technical fouls on today's show. And uh, we talked Olympics in the last segment with Sam Farnsworth from KSL 5 TV. And uh, I want to start with one that I still just cannot get over. And that is that uh, the whole Russian figure skating deal with, uh, man, okay, I don't want to say karma played a role in this, but I feel like karma did play a role in this. Let me be very clear about this. Now, Jeff, I want you to weigh in on this, but we all know about everything that went on with this. Uh, Valieva is the young 15-year-old who uh, tested positive uh, somewhere around two months ago for a performance-enhancing drug. Uh, Apparently, it was actually a cocktail. She's been taking two other drugs. Uh, There's been rumors that it's related to a heart condition she's had or a family member. You know what? Regardless, she tested positive. According to how the anti-doping rules work in the Olympics, you test positive, you are ineligible to compete. Well, she skated in that team event, which is still going to be in question with regards to if they're going to get their gold medals for that for months to come now. She also skated after a hastily put together uh, trial by the Court of Arbitration for Sport that for some reason said she was good to compete. I cannot believe that a, a... an athlete who tested positive uh, for a performance-enhancing drug was allowed to compete on the Olympic stage. I'm not alone in this, but man, I got a technical foul on the Court of Arbitration for Sport. I got a technical foul on the Russian Olympic Committee and letting this all go on. 
But Valieva ends up falling multiple times. And then after that, her entourage is like just berating her as she comes off the ice. This is a bad situation all the way around. Yeah, it's a mess for a lot of reasons. And um, I don't know if you've seen this, but there have also been some racial implications as far as her being allowed to compete with certain others not and so it's just kind Shikari of Shikari Richardson is the one that most people have been pointing to she tested positive for marijuana was unable to compete in the Tokyo Olympics where she's actually considered one of if not the best 100 meter sprinter in the world she tested positive for marijuana which is not considered a PED and she's ineligible to compete in the Olympics meanwhile this 15 year old is allowed after having a PED in her system it's it's a mess, and it's just, again, things that, because like you said, with how this is going to be drawn out as far as getting, not getting the medal, whatever, mm-hmm. I mean, this sounds, this maybe sounds really mean because people work really hard to get to the Olympics, but when in doubt, leave her out, figure it out. If for some reason the thing that she's taking she needs for her heart, like if, if that all comes out, you figure that out. You don't. Yeah. You figure that out later. Like, you, you don't let that happen and then say, oh, we'll deal with this later. No, you, you deal with it first. Yeah, and see, CAS, which is the Court of Arbitration for Sports moniker, it ruled that she had protected status as a 15-year-old as a minor and would suffer, quote, irre- irreparable harm if she was not allowed to perform. Well, here's the thing. Your sport suffered irreparable harm by yeah, allowing her to that's perform. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, it, it's got all the legitimacy of professional wrestling. I mean, trust me, I'm a big fan of the WWE. Let me be clear about that. I just I enjoy it. But it's, it's a farce. Well, and the other thing, and maybe this is, again, maybe this is really bad for me to say. I can't pretend to know what it's like to what it takes to be an Olympic athlete. Me and you both, But the fact that she is so young, it's not like this is her last shot, and if she doesn't get to do it, then she never gets to do it again. That's the thing, though. Russian figure skaters have a very, very strong history of actually lasting for only one game. It's a system that chews up and spits out to the athletes. The silver medal is... I say that's a technical foul. I don't know what's Yeah, it is. And trust me, so I'm just pulling this up right here. I, I actually have some background on this. Let me just pull this up here. So Anna Shurkabakova, who won uh, the gold medal, she didn't have much of a uh, going on. Camila Valieva, who's been, who we've been talking about, uh, is obviously in this. But, okay, here we go. Alexander Trusova, who fa- landed five quads of her own, finished four points back to win the silver medal, wasn't pleased with the judge, especially given the overwhelming difficulty of her program, but then in tears this 17-year-old Trusova and you'll find this interesting, Jeff, I think, and everybody will, she cried out ringside after learning of her silver medal, quote, I hate this sport, I won't go on the ice again, unquote. I did see that. Well, ugh. I have a lot of feelings that I'm not going to get into uh-huh. about how coaches or parents push either their kids or their their athletes, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the relationship is, to the point that that's how they feel because unfortunately there are coaches and there are parents who do it for their own self-interest. Yeah, they're, li- it for they're living own, through or, their yeah, they're yeah. living vicariously through their child. Mm-hmm. And so to me and it's maybe that's not the case with with this person, but to me if they say something like that, it means that they have just been pushed past the point of brutality where it's literally about pleasing so-and-so and that they find no... And, and it's not like doing hard things doesn't make you feel good. Believe me, producing jazz games is 
dang hard. Mm-hmm. I have some. I've had some very very stressful games this year. But the end, I can still say I feel accomplished. I feel good. You know, it's it's still fun even if it's extremely stressful. If you get you know, if I got done doing a jazz game and said I never want to do a jazz game again, then that says something. And maybe it's a bad comparison. Maybe I'm just completely missing the mark here with my comparison. But if she gets off and she's like, I never want to do this again, then clearly there's something wrong there in there's something wrong there. Yeah, well, the coach who's in question here, she was, like, like berating. You could see on camera. I remember the coach's name. I don't have it in front of me here, so I apologize. But she was, like, telling Valieva, the 15-year-old, well, why did you, like, give up? Like, there's a lot going on. The silver medalist from the 2018 games is also Russian. Had tweeted at uh, this uh, Valieva girl, Camila Valieva, essentially telling her, "Hey, you you made it through. Now you can move on with your life." It, there's just a lot, lot, a lot that needs to be looked at, and this just goes to a bigger issue with Russia. Uh, well, they have been now six straight Olympic Games where they have been under the microscope and not able to compete under the banner of Russia due to doping allegations. Actually, not six of them, but they've had doping allegations in six straight Olympic Games. At some point, I'd like to see uh, the Olympic Committee, the International Olympic Committee, and everybody just stand up and say, we're not putting up with this anymore. Shut Russia out. But I digress. So there you go. That's technical fouls for this week. Yep, to, technical to, fouls indeed. Way to go, Russia. All right, coming up next. Uh, we, putting on a bumper sticker. Way to go, Russia. <laughs> I'm not putting on a bumper sticker. No, thank you. Might make me some money, though. That's a good idea. That's actually a good idea, Jeff. Look at that. Copyright. Uh, <laughs> copyright. There you go. All right, coming up next, we'll get to five minutes of at 1130. Uh, we will have Andy Larson. Uh, not Andy Larson. Andy Larson works at the Salt Lake Tribune. Andy Bailey from Bleacher Report joining us to talk NBA. Both of them very uh, bright minds when it comes to the jazz and the NBA. We'll have Andy Bailey on at 11.30. More in a moment. This is the Saturday Show presented by our friends at Mountainland Supply right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, We've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Thank you for joining us on this Saturday morning. Beautiful weather up and down the Wasatch Front. Hope you all are doing fantastic. Even if you're listening to us somewhere else outside of Utah on our app, the Saturday show is proudly presented by our friends at Mountain Land Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. I'm Jay Catch. Uh, thank you for taking some time to join us here. And uh, we usually do our five minutes of segment at 1130. Uh, it's where we kind of hit some of the other topics we haven't had a chance to hit on on today's show. But we are going to be joined by Andy Bailey from Bleach Report in our next segment. So we're going to move up five minutes of now to right this moment. And let's start it off with one of our oldies but goodies, our good friend Saki. for Lucas Vasquez and Vapes through him oh magnificent beyond magnificent utterly explosive a physical phenomenon in stoppage time Kim- 
Williams. It'll flick on by Fabinho. And Liverpool striking San Siro. Beautifully guided header by Roberto Firmino. Jersey to Kempe with Kopitar on the rush. Here's Jersey back door. Sutherland score. Adrian Kempe on the tip. His second goal tonight and 21st of the season. And the Kings win it in overtime 4-3. Rodriguez chips it. Castellanos leaves it. Amundsen hits it across. Back to Castellanos. He's going to put that away 10 times out of 10. Picking up once again where he left off. 19 goals last year. Two goals in 30 minutes this year for Tati Castellanos. There you go. Some of the highlights from the week in both hockey and soccer. We mash them up here and talk about both in this little segment. Let's start off on the soccer front. Uh, And Jeff, you and I are both guys who enjoy watching Real Salt Lake play. Uh, They announced. We're not enjoying sometimes. (laughs) Sure, at times, yeah, I would imagine that. Sorry, Uh, that was really cynical. I I digress. No, but you you have a good point there. But uh, they announced their new, I guess. Primary jersey is the way I call it. It used to be home and away jerseys, but now you have a primary and a secondary kit. Uh, in, and a third kit. Uh, do they have a third now? They used to Some the, do. They used to have the victory gold, but that has been long since retired. I dream of the day that the victory gold makes its, it makes its illustrious return uh, to the RSL franchise. But they announced what they called the Believe kit. Uh, it's a harken back to 09, obviously playing, paying homage to the battle hymn uh, that was written by Brandon Steinekert of Rancid. Uh, your overall thoughts on the new kit for Real Salt Lake? I'm going to say clean. Okay, it is, is clean. That's a good word for it. I like, it's I like it's not it's too flashy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's simple yet satisfying. Sure, I'm with you on that. I like the fact that it mixes both the claret and the cobalt, the red and blue uh, color scheme. They'll be wearing the blue shorts with it. Uh, I I really thought it was actually really cool. Uh, a lot of major league soccer teams announcing new kits all this week. Uh, just, Some of the kits have just been beautiful. I'm gonna get slaughtered by RSL fans for saying this, uh-oh. but Portland's new kit is tread lightly, so, sir. Sir, so good. Watch yourself, it's sir. It's so good. Watch yourself. That, that that's that's heresy over here. It's Con- it's beautiful, especially considering RSL and Portland square off tonight. Yeah, well, the the kit's beautiful, and I I would like to say this for people that don't know, mm-hmm. the Thorns, the NWSL team for Portland did it first. They're they have basically the same kit, but it's black and red instead of pinkish and they're both beautiful but i would like to say the the women did it first yeah if you want to watch rsl in their final preseason action it's tonight six o'clock you can find it on kslsports.com streaming live there also rsl announced the signing of a new center back johan keppelhoff uh, coming over from the Chicago Fire, he was a free agent. He's 31. Uh, actually has an all-star appearance in 2017 for the Chicago Fire. So a little intriguing. Uh, he is the second uh, Dutch national to have worn an RSL kit. He joins Rashid El Khalifi, who helped RSL win the 2009 MLS Cup, as the only two Dutchmen to have donned the claret and cobalt. Yeah, Kapelhoff, he's, I mean, like you said, he had an all-star appearance, so he's he's had his moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more depth than anything. Sure, yeah. um, I think he's someone that, say, if uh, Marcelo Silva goes down injured or gets a red card which he does sometimes that he's someone that might, that might come in um but yeah no i think it's i think it's good center back depth 
Yeah, they they've I think they've done a good job just trying to bolster their ranks. Uh, we talked earlier on about this. They've gone they went really heavy on the youth thing. Getting some veteran voices, some veteran uh, talent, it's not a bad idea. And yeah, Kapelhoff, he'll obviously push Justin Glad and who you figure Marcelo Silva uh, to be that in that one-two tandem at center back. But at the same time, don't count out uh, guys like Zach Farnsworth or uh, Hasiel Orozco. I've heard great things about Hasiel Orozco. He's a youngster, but he's very, very talented. Yeah, I mean, RSL is all about the youngsters. That's mm-hmm. They're very much an academy team. A lot of people say that they're the best academy in, in the country, which I would tend to agree with. Um, and so there's no reason to think that the young guys aren't going to get their chances. Um, obviously, it's been a minute, but we haven't had Saturday show since. They mm-hmm. did fill a DP spot. Mm-hmm. Um with Cordova, Cordova, Sergio Cordova, Sergio Cordova, um, who he's interesting just FC because Augsburg. he's you know he's played in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a young guy, and um, you know he's someone that if it does work, that he could you know he could stick around for a bit. Um, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. And I, MLS is so close to coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's next. Is it next week? This time next week, we'll have MLS action going on. Jeez, it's so, I feel like it's so early. Yeah, because we had CCL this week. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like RSL's not quite done. I feel like they're still trying to grab something. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. I, I think you've got a good point there. And they, they will continue to do that. The nice part is with this new ownership group, uh, you have six European clubs who are now essentially sister clubs over Real Salt Lake. Uh, you could see some movement between those clubs. Yeah, well, I think we're. I think they're still looking for because Cordova's a forward. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's not a like for like replacement for Rusnak, mm-hmm. and and you could put Krylock in Rusnak's place, but I don't think he thrives there the most. I think a better option would be to have him kind of as a false nine back, slightly behind Cordova, and to have somebody else playing Rusnak's role. Um, but who's to know what's to happen? And, yeah. and, and, but RSL's lineup is also good about being flexible. Um, you know, one of the great things, one of the things I love about Kralik is the fact that he can play mm-hmm. defensive midfielder, attacking midfielder, center forward. Like he, he was, he was brought in as a six and he became like a false nine. It's a weird phenomenon. Yeah. Um, but you know, with with RSL's roster flexibility, I think that's one of their strengths. But I, I think they still have um, a move or two left to make before uh, before the season starts, or at least before signing deadline is over. Yeah, I, I would be I would agree with you on that. And they may push it all the way into the summer transfer window before they bring somebody in. But who knows? Uh, I think the good news is the long process of getting a new owner in place it's over and we're starting to see already the fruits of having an actual owner for real salt lake all right a couple of notes uh, by the way uh in terms of the new kits did you see inter miami lean into the pink yeah very cool very pink well yes but lean into it if that's gonna be one of your color scheme lean into it that's Embrace just it. all I, right actually I, we probably don't have time for this i have a kind of a cool story about miami but i don't know if we have time for me to share it what about I was there when they were constructing the stadium. Oh, all and right. so it was kind of cool to just be like, "Hey, I know that nobody cares about this picture I'm taking in front of a bunch of construction vehicles and whatnot." But to me, I'm just like to see an MLS stadium be built. I thought it was super cool. Yeah. So I kind of have this little twinge with Miami where I'm like, "Yeah, I was there when the stadium was being built." 
All right, on the hockey front for a couple of moments here, uh, let's talk about uh, what's going on. Uh, the thing about NHL is it played through the Olympics because it was making up time. They were, the athletes from the NHL were not allowed to go to the Beijing Games. Uh, they made up a lot of the games that were canceled due to their COVID issues earlier on this year. And things are kind of shaking out, I think, how we all expected. you got the Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning sitting atop the East. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes and the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Metropolitan Division. The Colorado Avalanche are good for an Eric if he's listening. I know he's very happy about the fact that the Avs are on top of the Central Division. And then the Calgary Flames outdueling the Vegas Golden Knights right now in the Pacific Division. My beloved Seattle Kraken just are awful, but that's okay. They're an expansion, expansion franchise. And also, uh, Arizona, the Coyotes... They're going to be playing for three years in a 5,000-seat stadium. They're going to be taking the ASU uh, new hockey arena and make them that their home while they try and figure out a permanent home. That's not a good sign for an MLS, uh, not an MLS, NHL franchise. No, uh, it's not. Are you a Bruins fan? Yeah. You? Okay, Boston. So I assume you know the big Bruins news in the last week or two. I do not. Who? So uh, 15-year Bruins goalkeeper Tuka Rask ah. is, is retiring. Yes. And he's a great name. Tuka Rask, that's a oh, great name. yeah, and his, his helmet is a, yeah. is a beautiful, beautiful sight. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Rask has, been, Rask has been there since 2007. Um, yeah, so he's, he's been a stalwart for, for the Bruins. Um, great career. And uh, I know myself and, and many other Bruins fans are really going to miss him. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So uh, we'll keep you updated on anything else as we go along here on the Saturday show. Let's also take a minute here and talk a little bit about some college basketball. Uh, Big day ahead for college hoops. And what I mean by that is you have... All of the local teams, by my knowledge, according to my knowledge, are playing today. I, I look at this though. BYU has a make-or-break game tonight. They're at St. Mary's, and if BYU wants to feel really confident come Selection Sunday, they need a win tonight. Uh, I saw some reports out there that uh, Fusini Triore, who is the freshman big man who got had an injured groin, there was question marks if he was going to be able to play. I'm seeing reports start to emerge that he is expected to give it a go tonight. That would give BYU a big opportunity to get a big win in Moraga. I, I, I hate saying this, but if BYU doesn't win tonight, I think they're on the outside looking in when it comes to the NCAA tournament, which would be actually a really, really big disappointment considering how good this season started for the Cougars. Yeah, um, to your point with Foose, uh, yeah, he's been great this year, and they'll really need him tonight. Winning St. Mary's is, is definitely tough. Um, it's not easy. Um, it's it. It's been a roller coaster year for for BYU hoops. It's been it's been strange. I think that's a good word. It's been a strange, yeah, <laughs> yeah strange, strange yeah. season. Um, but I just, I mean, it. I think it's all about just which BYU team comes out tonight. You know, if it's, you know, if it's how they played, you know, a couple weeks ago, yeah. If it's how they played the last couple of games, because they've won now what three in a row, four in a row, something like that. You talking about BYU? Yeah, they've won two in a row after the four game losing streak. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so. well, we'll see what happens. Like I said, I think it's a big deal whether we see Foose play or not. Um, but 
we will see what happens. Yep. Uh, other teams in action today. Utah will be looking to make it a win streak. They uh, beat Stanford the other night. They're at Cal today. I've got no reason to think that Utah can't win that game. That'll be at 4 o'clock on the Pac-12 networks. Utah State has a huge game in Boise. Scotty G will be on the call. You'll hear that game here on the Zone Sports Network beginning at 3.30, 4 o'clock tip. Uh, they're taking on Boise State. Boise State is one of the better teams in the Mountain West. They're on their way to the NCAA tournament. Utah State, kind of similar to what you talked about with BYU. Yeah, Utah State needs to bounce back here. Really topsy-turvy season. Some, some tough losses yeah. recently. Uh, the Nevada loss actually produced that game. That was a stunner. Uh, but yeah, they, they need to get a win to be a huge win at Boise State. And then we have a battle for the old hammer between Utah Valley and Dixie State. will be taking place in St. George tonight. And then in the big sky, you've got Northern Colorado at Weber State, Montana State, uh, one of the league leaders in the big sky at Southern Utah. All those teams, including Weber State, are in the mix uh, atop the big sky conference. Uh, obviously wins would go a long way for all both Weber State and Southern Utah and then BYU St. Mary's if you want to watch it tonight 8pm tip tonight ESPN2 there in Moraga California alright I also wanted to talk for a minute I actually meant to get to this in technical fouls Flipping over from college basketball to college football. We learned yesterday the college football playoff committee announcing they are going to stick with the four team alignment at least through 2026 let me start by saying this You guys are all idiots. I'm speaking to the College Football Playoff Executive Committee. The commissioners and Notre Notre Dame's AD, uh, Jack Swarbrick, they sit on that group that makes this decision. The other commissioners of the 11 FBS conferences also sit on this group. They are handing back millions, hundreds of millions of dollars by not going about expanding this. I cannot believe they cannot get on the same page, but at the same time, this is college football, and nothing makes sense with this sport. It's so frustrating. It, I I saw that, and I was just like, scream! Like, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was frustrated. Well, and that's the thing about this, is you, you're looking at uh, a situation where I, I saw estimates of a $500 million increase in the money they could make Jeez. if they were to move forward and expand the playoff as soon as possible. That was the report. I think I said 2024 probably was the earliest they'd be able to do it. They're going to be sitting through 2026, handing that money just right back to TV networks and the like. And we don't even know at that point if this will happen, considering they cannot get on the same page. Also, one other thing, the Pac-12, George Klyovkov, he came on these airwaves and said he was a proponent for expansion of the playoff. He's been on our show. He was on DJ and PK. We had him for 40-plus minutes. Comes out last night that the Alliance, so uh, the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12, who essentially created this little alliance to help each other's self-interest out, uh, there was an 8-3 to three vote that nixed the opportunity to expand the playoff. It was reported last night that this happened. The three conferences that voted against it, the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12. Now, George Klyovkov, and this comes from John Wilner, uh, obviously, who works for the Pac-12 hotline in the Bay Area, uh, syndicated on KSL.com, a bunch of other places, does a great job with this. This is the quote from George Klyovkov on the reveal of the CFP details, essentially the 8-3 vote. Quote, I am disheartened that the trust built in the CFP room is being injured by the disclosure of an incomplete and therefore inaccurate information about the voting and issues that kept the CFP group from agreeing on expansion. All right, Commissioner, what do you got for us? Explain it. Lay it out there. Let us know. But that's all he's got. That's all he's put out so far. 
It's the college football committee. They don't have to explain anything to anyone. But, okay, you got caught with your hand in the cookie jar. You voted no, I, against I, I this. I said that sarcastically. Yeah, okay. I said that sarcastically. Yeah, but you got your hand caught in the cookie jar because you voted against it. It got revealed, and all of a sudden, everything you've said, it looks like double talk. You look like any other politician out there, it feels like. Say one thing, do something else. Like, this whole deal with the college football playoff committee and them nixing an opportunity to put hundreds of millions of dollars into their own pockets, the inability of anybody to act in the interest of the sport as a whole versus then their, themselves, their own individual interests and their conference interests, it baffles me. I cannot believe that this sport succeeds in spite of itself. Well, that's the interesting thing there is that take away them actually caring about the sport itself and the teams and the opportunities even if it was just this, you know, kind of crappy, just do it for the money. Yeah. Why wouldn't you just do it for the money? Like, even if your motivation's wrong, like, it would. They all talk about wanting to be about yeah, the money. I just, yeah. I don't. Nothing about this decision makes sense aside from tradition. Um, like, I, I don't know. Tradition. I, I yeah. don't know. Tradition. Well, the tradition of college football is the fact that it doesn't ever work together for the better of the sport. As I said, this sport succeeds in spite of itself. It's the second most popular sport in our country. I truly believe that. The NFL is number one. I'd say college football is number two. Football, we can't not get enough football as an American society. And I love college football. It, trust me. It, it is the sport du jour it, in my heart and soul. It's the sport I grew up with. It's the sport I cheer most for. I have got enough college football teams gear at my house that my wife legitimately has threatened at times in our marriage to throw it away because I don't wear it all. That's how much this sport means to me. And the fact that the people that run this sport cannot get on the same page and work in the interest of the sport as a whole, cannot get beyond themselves to understand, okay, this is good for our sport, baffles me. But at the same time, not having a central authority group when it comes to college football also hurts this sport. Write him in a letter, Jake. You tell him. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> It's I, I'm. Well, I probably have like ten secretaries that that letter goes through. Uh, trust and by me, it goes through. I mean, it goes to well, the first one. That they let me away. let me also point out one thing about this. I've worked with DJ and PK for a long time. I get a lot of guests on our show. I, I've gotten a lot of people, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. I reached out for a college football commissioner recently to get him on the show. We had George Klyovkov on. I, I point out the fact we've had Mike Oresko from the AAC. We've had a lot of college football commissioners on DJ and PK. Can I get a response from this conference about saying yes or no? I can't. They just don't even pay attention to me. Because they know it would work against their self I don't know. So they just ignore you. I don't know. It, it baffles me. Ignoring the, you is easier than answering a hard question. I guess. I, I'd prefer no rather than nothing, than crickets. But that's just me. I just This sport continually, continually, continually baffles me and succeeds in spite of itself, and we love it for all of the just glory of the carnage that it is. But at the same time, come on now. Let's understand that you can help yourselves. Help us help you. There we go. That's what I wanted to get to. Help us help you. Put it on a bumper sticker. Maybe That's, so. that's like my line of the day. I need to stop. Maybe <laughs> I should stop saying that. I don't know. I just... <sighs> It means a lot to me, this sport. It means a lot to me, and that's why I'm so passionate about it. But Love I the digress. sport, not the system. 
Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. All right, coming up next, uh, we'll flip back over to the NBA and the Utah Jazz. Andy Bailey from Bleach Report will carve out some time to join us. Very, very excited to have him on the Saturday show. That's coming up next right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. Let's go live. We talk Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. Weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday Show. Jake Hatch with you guys on the Saturday morning. Pleased to welcome in now a good friend of the station. He's been a regular on DJ and PK as well as Hands and Scotty. But ple- uh, pleased to bring him on to the Saturday Show. He is Andy Bailey from Bleach Report covering all things NBA. Andy, thanks for taking some time. How are you? Pretty good. Thanks for having me, Jake. Uh, let's start here. Uh, are you a big fan of NBA All-Star Weekend? Um, yeah, I, I... <laughs> Every year I tune in. I've always been a fan, especially of the Saturday night stuff. I know that the dunk contest has given us some duds in the last, I don't know, handful of years. Um, but there's also the highlights, like the Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine one from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm kind of a sucker. I'll say this. I'm a sucker for the stuff on Saturday. The rest of it I'm kind of meh on. So. Um, that's a ringing endorsement, I'm sure. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing about this. I, I'm with you. I am a child. I think you and I are similar in age. I'm a child of the 90s and early 2000s when the dunk contest was in its heyday. Uh, it sucked me yep. in to be like a lifelong fan of NBA All-Star Weekend, regardless of it is a dud, especially in the dunk contest. But I felt like last night I started – I refused to watch the celebrity game. I saw some of the highlights on Twitter. But then I saw some tweets about what they were doing at the Rising Stars Challenge, and I, I'd missed this format change where they were essentially making like a bracket format. I found myself a little more intrigued with that. I'm actually okay with the NBA trying new things. I thought it was way better. Um, I also I, – I can't bring myself to watch the celebrity game, but I knew about the format change. Um, so I was intrigued by the rising stars thing. And the, the very first thing I said, my wife was out at dinner with her family. And when she came back, I said, this is a lot better, um, than it's been in, in recent years. And I think the target score alone is just really intriguing to me. Um, you know, I know, I think it's the basketball tournament or, or one of those other, you know, basketball endeavors uses the Elam ending yeah. regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it's a drastic change, so I can't imagine the NBA would ever do it for more than the All-Star game, which is what they use it in now. But I think it adds a layer of excitement to every single game that has it uh, that I've seen so far. Um, and I'm not tuned into a ton of Elam ending games, so I, I haven't seen blowouts. I would assume that they're, they feel about the same as the blowout does now. Um, but having that target score to get to is really interesting to me the way that the defense ratcheted up at the end of those few games last night in the rising stars thing was really fun um and i thought well if they if they get serious about a target score in an exhibition game i can't imagine what they would do in a real game so that that part of it was awesome to me for sure I, i think that that change was great well, I think, yeah, I'm with you. It actually, I think it would raise the intensity in some of these regular season games where we feel like both teams are just playing out the string. I think it would just change mm-hmm. the whole idea. But I'm with you. It's such a radical change. I very highly doubt that the NBA, at least in our lifetime, I feel like, would would 
change to that format. But I, I just wanted to talk to you about the All-Star game itself. Uh, we're a year away from it coming to Salt Lake City for the second time. Uh, I think all of us here along the Wasatch Front are very, very excited to have the NBA's biggest stars here in town. But does the All-Star game, in your mind, need to have a new way of going about picking the starters in particular, but maybe just the overall lineup of the guys playing in this game? Because I think I look at the Andrew Wiggins thing this year, I think that's a farce. That was terrible. Um, and I, I would say I get mildly bent out of shape by at least one or two selections every year and just think that's, that's not who should be there. Um, but the Andrew Wiggins one was particularly egregious. And it's, it's not that Andrew Wiggins is bad this yeah. season. And I think he had a case, like a fringe all-star case. Um, you know, if he had been the 12th guy on the team, I probably wouldn't have been too upset about it. But the fact that a K-pop star got involved um, and, and essentially drove this guy to a starting spot, um, it, it almost kind of makes a mockery of the all-star starting lineup in general. And that, that comes off as very mean toward Andrew Wiggins. Um, but he's simply not one of the five best players in the Western Conference. And there's, there's you know legacy conversations and all the debates we have about where certain people are in all-time history and stuff like that, all-star selections, all-star starters, that stuff gets brought up. Um, and if we're going to have to kind of put asterisks on people that were selected in this fan vote era, um, I think that taints some of those discussions to a degree. So long, long-winded way of saying, yeah, I think they probably do need to look at the way that they select all-stars. Um, this is another thing I don't think the NBA would do. They probably wouldn't cut up the fan vote entirely. But maybe you just make it a smaller percentage of the vote. I think you got to find some way to get some objective criteria in there because even if you switch it to um, media, there's there's subjectivity there too. We've seen some of the results of player votes on stuff, mm-hmm. and, and that would be a disaster if that was the driving <laughs> force. Um, so, yeah, I think they need to tweak it to some degree and, and – you know, again, it's not like the end of the world that Andrew Wiggins is an all-star starter, but objectively, he's just not one of the five best players in the West. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think that there needs to be some reckoning with how they go about it, but they, like I said, it might be more pie in the sky stuff from both you and I on that front. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Utah Jazz here. Uh, they had a six-game homestand, six-game uh, win streak homestand, and then they went to L.A. It felt like they were in control of that game, and then with six minutes to go, it all fell apart. And I think the big debate here in Utah after that loss to the Lakers going into the All-Star break is, was the six-game win streak fool's gold, and what happened against L.A. more of reality? Where do you stand? I don't I don't think any win streak from Utah is fool's gold. I'll start there. Um, th- that team is built to win regular season games and they have for years and they're going to continue to do that after the all-star break. Um, you know, when they had that off month in January where everybody was acting like the sky was falling in national media on the jazz, they were missing either Gobert or Mitchell for most of those games. And when they have those two guys on the floor, they still have the point differential of a juggernaut. So I, you know, I think anytime they go on a run and I would expect another one probably between now and the end of the season, that's just that's almost par for the course for this group now. Um, they are a regular season juggernaut as, as long as they're healthy. I'll put that qualifier on it. Um, 
having said that, I, I think you saw in the Lakers game, and a, a little story on my night of NBA watching that night, I, I thought that game was over. Um, and I saw that the the Nuggets were close. I think it was the Warriors they were playing that night, so mm-hmm. I switched over. And the next time I checked the Jazz score and saw that they lost, I was stunned. I just I couldn't believe that they had give, given up that lead to a sub-500 team that's just had all kinds of problems all season. So I dug into it a little bit, um, watched the last few minutes that I missed live, and it's it's almost like deja vu with the Clippers series when they put LeBron at the five. Um, I, I think Rudy Gobert is unfairly maligned with what happens when, when teams go to those lineups, but I think now is the time for Quinn Snyder to try countering with his own small ball five. And I know that the, you know, the numbers aren't great if, if Rudy, go, Rudy Gay is at the five. Um, I don't know how much they've tried Eric Paschal there. But now is the time to try that. I think you've proven all you can prove in the regular season. Um, if, if, team, if the book is out on the Jazz and teams know, if we go small, um, they don't have enough perimeter defenders to match us, that's going to be a problem in the playoffs. So they need to figure out now in the next, you know, couple months or however much longer the season is, which one of those guys can play some small ball five and so they can survive stretches like that. Or the other end of this, and I think this is the fair criticism of Gobert, when other teams go small, he's he's got to dominate inside. And I don't think that necessarily means Patrick Ewing post moves or anything like that. Um, but his teammates need to look for him on the rolls. He needs to gobble up every offensive rebound. Um if, if they're going to continue to play big when other teams go small, he has to punish them in some way. I think I think the most likely way is probably offensive rebounding. Um, he, he's got to grab every single miss the Jazz have, or at least have that goal in his mind. And then they'll think, well, I, I guess we can't play small against these guys because he's just going to eat us up around the rim. 24 games, if I'm not mistaken, remaining in the regular season for the Jazz once they get back at it next Friday. And we had David Locke on with DJ and PK yesterday, and he says that everything he thinks, it's either the Mavericks or the Nuggets for the Jazz in the first round of the playoffs. He says everything to him screams one of those two teams. Uh, He thinks that the Mavericks, uh, in that regard, the Jazz have, I believe, three games remaining against Dallas in the regular season, so they'll get a good look at Dallas in the lead-up to the playoffs. If you were to pick one of those two teams for the Jazz to square off against in the first round, which would you opt for? I think it depends on which version of the Nuggets you get. Um, It seems like Jamal Murray is close to coming back, and if he is ratcheted up to, like, 95% 95% of his pre-injury self, um, I would probably rather see the Mavericks. Um, it sounds like there's even a chance that Denver might get Michael Porter Jr. back too. And so if they have both of those guys by the time the playoffs start, um, I think that's sort of a stealth title contender. So as far as first-round matchups, I'd probably want the Mavericks. They, I think they intentionally took a little bit of a half-step back this season with the Porzingis trade to sort of clear their books a little bit. I know the money they had come back was equal to Porzingis's, but it'll be easier to trade in the future because it's two smaller contracts instead of this huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they made a conscious decision. Yeah, we might be a little bit worse this season, but it'll help us for, in terms of flexibility going forward. Now, having said that, the few games they've played since the Porzingis trade, Luka Doncic just looks ridiculous, and I don't think there's anybody on Utah's roster that can give him a ton of problems. Um, you know, Royce O'Neal is a real solid perimeter defender, but I, Luca's playing basketball games like he's Neo in the Matrix right now or something. <laughs> um, 
he just gets whatever he wants, uh, whether it's scoring, distribution, whatever. He's just dominating. And so that's a tough perimeter matchup. But, like again, like I said, if, if the Nuggets have those other two guys back, I think I would probably rather see the Mavericks. You just say, you know, Luka's going to get his. We'll hold the other guys down as much as we can, and, and that should be enough to prevail. You mentioned the fact you want to see the Utah Jazz figure out what they're going to do to counter those small ball lineups. And Rudy Gay's been out. They're trying to get his knee right, it sounds like, just make sure he's ready to go for the playoffs. Do you feel like uh, he is the answer for that small ball five for the Jazz, or should they look at somebody like an Eric Paschal, who's more of kind of, it seems like an energy guy, versus maybe the proven vet that a guy like Rudy Gay is? If I had to pick one right now, I'd, I'd probably go Pascal, and it's exactly what you just said. I think he brings a little bit more energy, uh, particularly on, on defense. I think I'd trust him on more switches than I'd trust Rudy Gay. Um, and I don't, you know, he hasn't shown a ton of this, but I, I do feel like there's a little bit of playmaking in him that hasn't maybe been unlocked, and so maybe you have some playmaking five stuff there. Um, but... <laughs> Rudy Gay with his ability to space the floor and all the experience that he's had. And I think he's bigger than people realize. So he could, he could body up on, um, you know, opposing fives. If, if teams want to put a smaller five out there. Mm-hmm. So there's, I, I think there are pros and cons with both of them. Um, but if I had to pick one right now, I, and I, I think, again, I think I said this earlier, but try both of those guys <laughs> between now and the end of the season, see which one you think works better uh, and it's not something that has to be done for extended minutes. I think even in the playoff series where teams go small, you're probably going to play Rudy Gobert 30 to 35 minutes a game. Um, so you just need a few minutes of that small ball lineup. Um, so, again, now is the time to experiment. I, I think I'd probably go with Pascal in terms of his energy. Um, and just, just for now, just see which one you like better because it's going to happen in the playoffs. There are plenty of teams in the West that have the versatility to do that. Um, and, and now that they've seen it from the Clippers in that series last year and they've seen it in a couple games here in the regular season, teams are going to try it for sure. All right, Andy, we'll get you out of here on this. Who is the NBA All-Star Game MVP tomorrow night? Oh, the All-Star Game MVP. Um I'm going to say Andrew Wiggins. How about that? All right, okay. <laughs> okay, that would be like the best, like, Almost like a just bleep you moment. <laughs> it would be pretty funny. Let's let's say that he goes like eight for ten from three, something like that. <laughs> that would be awesome. All right, Andy. Well, thanks again for taking some time. Uh, enjoy a little bit of the downtime. Hopefully, you're getting here with the All Star break like the rest of us. And of course, we'll have you back on air soon. I'm sure. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. There you go. Andy Bailey, Bleach Report, does a great job covering the NBA at large. Uh, by the way, his Twitter feed is elite. He does a great job nightly with all his takes. His player comparisons, the blind player comparisons, are awesome that Andy does. He looks at the statistics, lays them out. Player, who would you take, player A or player B? And most people pick the player that they, if they knew the names, they wouldn't have picked. It's really, really cool how he does it. That's fun. Yeah. That's super fun. Andy does a great job. And like I said, he's a regular on DJ and PK, also regular on Hands and Scotty. So a huge thank you to him for taking some time. All right, coming up next, uh, we will round out today's show with some final thoughts as we go out the door here. You're tuned in to the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM and the Zone Sports Network. Saturday. We rock your weekend. 
weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Appreciate you guys taking the time to join us. Um, don't mind me over here. I'm just a giddy uh, Tottenham Hotspur fan who's watching Tottenham take it to Man City right now. Anyways, uh, that's kind of fun. But, you know, good times. All right. Uh, as we go out the door here, I want to get some of the feedback we had on today's show. Let's start off with this. Yes, our good friend Clint Pete on Twitter uh, sent in a tweet earlier. I believe it's... Uh, What's that one? It's called The Internship was the movie that Owen Wilson and um, who's this actor? I can't remember his name. Maybe, Jeff, you can see. It's he does Owen Wilson movies all the time. Is that Vince Vaughn? Vince Vaughn, duh. I'm like, what's, I can't really yeah, see. But it's Vince it Vaughn. Like so Vaughn. I think it's from The Internship. It says, he's back. And he's celebrating the fact that the Saturday show is back. So, Clint, thank you for your continued support of the podcast. It's a ton of fun to uh, show, actually, not the podcast. I just I will have it in podcast form for you guys a little bit later on. It's always fun to be doing this show. People ask me all the time, like, what do you do? I'm like, because I love doing it. It's just fun. So Saturday show is fun. Like, it's we still talk sports and we still get people on and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's chill. It's a little more freewheeling. Yeah. Free wheeling, I guess what I and, should say. I mean, for me, not that I'm overly anxious to do this, but it's the only time that I get to talk on the air. Like oh, the, the I go. get one or two words sometimes during pre or post game for jazz, which is fine because especially for a jazz game, I'm like, I don't want to say anything that people are going to criticize me for it. So, uh, but I don't know. All right, our good friend Ryan Hancock weighing in. I think based on the conversation we had about the college football playoff, he says, so much for an improvement over Larry Scott talking about George Klyovkov. This guy is just as dumb. Pac-12 is not leaving the P5 basement anytime soon. Another comment from George Klyovkov saying, well, you don't understand why I didn't vote against it. Well, please feel free to explain, George. I'm just saying, like, you're a well-spoken guy. you got to like good ideas, but for you to say one thing and tweet as such on social media and then all of a sudden it comes out that you just followed the company line with that alliance and voted against it, feel free to explain. We'd love nothing more than for you to have your say on it. All right, and one other thing here from our good friend Osteomath uh, saying, what a concept. Use the regular season to develop players and try different lineups that you are ready when rotations for the playoffs come and not repeat the past. You might try it, Quinn Snyder. And he tagged me and, and Andy Bailey in it based on our conversation in the last segment. And, Hey, you got 24 games to go. Give it a shot. Might as well. See what you got. Like, and the thing about this is everything the Jazz have done this season with these veteran players, in the case of a guy like Mike Conley, uh, in this case Rudy Gay right now with the ongoing uh, him being out due to his knee, they just want to make sure that these guys are 100% healthy going into the playoffs. I think a lot of us can point to what happened last year, the fact that Mike Conley was out with a hamstring injury and Donovan Mitchell was playing on one foot, essentially. And Donovan Mitchell still put up, what was it, 39-9-9 in that elimination game? They were agonizingly close it felt like but at the same time it you lost well to the point of donovan mitchell we've seen he can put the team on his back and they still lose like he can go off and they still lose and so getting like you said those rotations and getting everybody else's level up even just a couple percentage points could be all the difference 
Yeah, um, our good friend uh, Wild Turkey Fart Blunt at VWAG23 sentences. It's the shake and bake uh, from Talladega Nights. It's always, always a good thing to go out on. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. For Jeff, I'm Jake. A big thank you for all of your support of the podcast uh, podcast of this show. Man, I am all over the place. Thank you for listening to the show, and also make sure you check out the podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. We've moved over to a new platform. Uh, I don't believe the Saturday show had the same issues that DJ and PK and Hans and Scotty have had with our podcast feeds, but you can just search out the Saturday show on KSL Sports. It'll be there for you guys, all the interviews, full hours of the show. Love when you guys listen to that if you didn't get a chance to catch the show live. We'll be back next Saturday with another live show from 10 to noon. Uh, A reminder for you guys that today's show has been brought to you in part by our friends at Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. All right, that'll do it. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM. 1280 AM and the Zone Sports Network. See ya.